The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal. From the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. And welcome to another edition of Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Pastor John Kane. With us today, we have Professor uh, Joel Bierman. Joel is a professor of systematic theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. Welcome to the program, Joel. Good to be with you. So uh, we are getting ready to observe a uh, holiday in the United States called Father's Day. So we'd like to talk a little bit about uh, some of the biblical aspects of, of Father's Day. And uh, you've, you've given me a note here about the word telos. What do you want to tell us about that yeah. particular word telos? Yeah, um, we use a lot of derivatives in English that come from Greek and Latin. Sometimes there's a, a Greek word that didn't make it into English that's really good. Um, telos is one of those. Telos is the word that um, means end. But it's not just like the end of the book. It has more the sense of goal or purpose or the objective is what you're, what you're aiming at, what you're hoping to accomplish. So when an athlete is striving to you know, win a gold medal in their particular sport in the Olympics, that would be their talos. That's what they're going for. And everything aims at that and everything gets centered around that. Um, I've come to the conclusion that I think that a lot of men who are striving to be good fathers haven't spent enough time just stopping to think about What's my goal here? What's the point? What's what's the telos I have for my fatherhood? They have kids. They know they need to take care of them. They need to protect them. They need to give them a rich life. But I think we need to be a little more deliberate about thinking, what is it that I want to accomplish? What's my objective? What is it that I want to say I've done it? So what's the measurement of a successful father? What's the telos? And my first observation is I don't think most men even think about that. They tend to just kind of go with the flow. They see other men doing things, so they do the same thing. They see other families doing things with their kids, so they do the same thing. And they don't give it much thought. And if they do give it any thought, they probably say something really foolish, like, I just want my kids to be happy. And that's one of the dumbest things they can say from a Christian standpoint, because happiness is never the measure of what God would consider a productive or a right life. And I think we as Americans have a tendency to be way too caught up in this kind of happiness thing and having happiness and a, and a rich life, and we're missing the point. So I would argue that a good father should be asking himself, what is it that God has given me these kids for? What's my purpose? And then it becomes pretty obvious that I would say there are two critical things that every Christian father would want to have happen for his kids. The first one's pretty straightforward, and that is, I want my kids to know Christ, to walk with Christ, have eternal salvation. So that at the day when Christ comes in glory, I'm there with my kids and we're all celebrating together. That's got to be number one. And that's pretty overwhelming and pretty significant. And I say the second major goal, second major part of this telos for your Christian parenting is I want my kids to be good kids. I want them to grow up to be adults who serve well in society, who are a credit to their God, who are a credit to their church and a credit to their, their people who know them, who serve those around them selfishly, who use their gifts well, who are doing what God put them here to do. So in other words, they're not fools. They're, they're, not, they're not causing trouble. They're, they're living well. And incidentally, those two aspects of the telos, I would say, map really nicely to the, 
to eight major areas of our lives. We have a relationship with God, which we receive by grace through faith in Christ. And we have a relationship with other people around us, which we pursue through doing what God gave us to do. So if that's my goal as a father, every single thing I should do as a father should be asked, should be toward that goal. So I plan my schedule with my kids around those goals. I think about the friends my kids have around those goals. I think about the kinds of activities my kids do around those goals. So just having my kids going off to all these after school activities, maybe doesn't serve that purpose. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that. So I think thinking about your telos as a father opens the door immediately to a whole bunch of new ideas of what is it that I'm doing here as a father and how do I go about achieving what God has given me to do. So, Joel, in society and in our world, there are some places that, as you're indicating, may be supportive in some activities and places that might be not supportive. So what help do we have in a society that doesn't always value the nuclear family? Yeah, well, you, you'd set a mouthful there, John. Um, society definitely does not value the nuclear family. And there's uh, a host of reasons for that. It's not just because they're indifferent. There's actually a, a deliberate animosity and attack against the nuclear family from many elements of our of our culture. And this is not just alarmist, silly talk. It, it's, it's, it's verifiable and there's, there's evidence for this and it fits really well with the whole understanding of our contemporary culture because our culture has come to value individualism and autonomy, the self-standing, self-determining kind of reality that I as an individual matter most. And the idea that somehow God has given me things to do, God has told me things about who I am, God has established my identity, really challenge that autonomy. And the idea of a family where you've got a mom and a dad, and they're both given tasks by God, and they're given children to raise God's way, that's patently offensive to our culture nowadays, because they don't want to be told what to do. And so the family, frankly, gets in the way. And the idea of undoing the family is one of the clear goals of our culture today. And we have this going on all the time, redefining family. What is family? Family are people who love each other. Um, two dads, two moms, you know, dad of three moms, whatever. As long as people all love each other and they're all getting along and everybody's happy and we're all achieving what we want to do, then that's a family. And that's patently op opposite what the scripture would teach us. So the world really wants to attack and undo families, really wants to undo fathers. So men who want to do things God's way, Christian men who are seeking to follow Christ really need to be deliberate about putting themselves in situations where they get support and encouragement. And probably the best choice of that would be a church, congregation, being part of a church, not just showing up for 60 minutes on a Sunday morning, but investing in the life of the church and participating in the community of the church, going to Bible class, going to midweek activities, um, and participating in things and creating events going on in the church where you have events for multi-generational things and you have studying together, meals together, because men need to be with other men who are trying to do it right. We find encouragement from that. And we can find a little competition from that, which is a good thing for men too. You know, competing with each other and doing things the right way, striving to follow Christ. We encourage each other. That's iron sharpening iron. The Bible talks a lot about that. And so men need to seek out other men who are like-minded and who are similarly not like-minded in that he believes what I believe, but we're both striving for what God has given us to do. We're both submissive to Christ and wanting to follow him. And we're going to do that together. So the church is a huge resource for that. And fortunately, the church much more broadly also provides resources. There are web um, websites and there are podcasts and there are radio programs and there are resources available to teach and to encourage and to equip men to be better at what God's given them to do. And I would argue that um, Christian men need to be kind of smart about that and deliberate about that and seeking those things out. 
So if we talk about uh, these resources, is it better to have uh, information shared or is it better to have information modeled or how do we put yeah. this into practice? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great issue. Um, we, we think too much in the Western culture. We, we, at least we've adopted this. And I think in the Lutheran church, we've been quite um, prone to reduce things to pretty much the uh, intellectual side of things, the academic side of things, getting our thinking straight. If we get the right doctrines, we're good. If we teach kids the right things, we're set. And so we think catechism class means learning all the right stuff. And once they memorize the catechism, we're good. And there, I've done my part. I got my kids to catechism. I got them confirmed, did my thing. And that's woefully inadequate. The, the reality is that the kind of person we are, the way that we think about the world, the way we interact with the world is a product of the way we live our lives. It's a product of the kinds of things that we engage in, the activities. These things imprint us, these, these rites, these rituals, just these daily routines shape us into how we think about the world and how we operate. So that means that a dad who wants to be a good dad and do a good job shaping and imprinting his kids needs to think about the idea of formation. It's not just giving them the right information and making sure they go to the right classes. It's about modeling for them what it means to live your life centered around Christ. It's about putting into action the things that we talk about, how we spend our money, how we spend our free time, how we treat other people, how we talk about people when we're driving, how we talk about the people who cut us off and how we react. All of those things become factors in what I'm showing my child about who's Lord of my life how we live our lives, how we make decisions about things. We, we need to demonstrate this stuff. We need to bring our kids into our thinking on some of those things so they can see how we think through things and learn from that. And they need to see us treating our wives the right way and treating other people the right way. It's the whole enchilada. You see, it's, it's, never, it's never a matter of, well, it's quality time versus quantity. No, it's the whole package. It's good quality time, but it is the quantity goes with it as well. It's, it's how we live our lives and all of it has to come together. I, I just uh, heard about a public school teacher who privately uh, commented about the uh, the behavior of young people after the COVID lockdowns. You know, how many are wild and, and acting as if they were feral and without guidance and, and all of those things. So how do we take a step back and maybe get back on track with our young people? Yeah, well, you know, it is interesting. You, I had not seen heard that report, but it doesn't surprise me in the least. And what that probably indicates is that those families with those kinds of feral children were depending a lot on the schools to take care of stuff for them. And they were relying on the school to do the imprinting and the training. And, they were, and that, that probably indicates the kids weren't getting a whole lot at home. So at home, the kids were kind of doing what they want, which is unfortunately the case in a lot of homes, uh, especially in homes where the children are spending a great deal of time in schools and in daycares, because then when the kids are at home, mom and dad want it to be fun and pleasurable. So they don't do a lot of discipline, a lot of teaching, a lot of guidance. And so the kids end up kind of running their own show, which tends to create feral kids um, doing their own thing. And so I would say part of this is that the parent needs to realize, wait, these are my kids. And I need to raise them. I need to be the one who's responsible for them. I'm the one who's accountable for them. Not the pastor's job to give them spiritual truth. It's my job. The pastor can help me. The pastor needs to be you know, working with me on this, but it's my responsibility. And teaching them manners and teaching them respect and then teaching them to use their time well and to be cons considerate, that's my job. And I do that by deliberately expecting that of them, holding them accountable. Um, things like routine are hugely important on this kind of stuff. Morning routines, evening routines, after school routines, meals together, devotions, bedtime routines, prayers together. 
All of those things make an enormous impact. They imprint, they teach, they, they, they teach these things. And too many fathers, frankly, I think feel like I'm busy. I'm doing the important things. I'm bringing home the paycheck. I'm keeping the house together. I don't have time for the kids. Well, then they need to ask yourself, why are they doing the other things? Why are they trying to make money? Why are they trying to keep the house together? What's the point? They've lost track of their telos. They've let stuff overwhelm the really important thing, which is raising these kids. So your kids need to be cared for first, and then all those other things fit in. So a healthy routine, a healthy, healthy boundaries, maybe rules, all of these things come together in, in the greater lifestyle? Yeah, big time. And you mentioned boundaries and, and um, kind of the, the rules. That gets, gets into kind of consistency. So there's a consistency is, is the, one of my driving words when it comes to good parenting, is you need to be consistent in your routines, in your expectations, and in your rules. There are rules. And they can be very, very explicit. It can be quite, quite severe or what we might not severe, but very conservative. Like, you know, you're home at this time. You do your homework first. You have these chores and the kids can have a whole bunch of rules they need to do. But they don't need to become burdensome when they're being consistently done and the parents are being reasonable about what they expect their children to do, are assisting them, are teaching them, are equipping them and, and providing plenty of time for the children to do the things they pursue as well. It's that, it's that balance in a routine. But the parents need to be consistent in establishing this is what we expect of our kids and you'll do these things. We'll work on it together and we'll accomplish these things together. And when you don't, yeah, there are consequences and parents need to be consistent on that as well. One of the best ways to drive a kid crazy is to be inconsistent. And when a dad says one thing and does another, Junior gets the message really quick. Dad really cares about what he does. And that's what matters. And so that's a huge issue. Then they also, the huge, the problem of when dad says, I'm going to do this if you, if, unless you follow through. And then the dad doesn't follow through with his threat. Kid learns about that really fast too. Or when a new rule comes into play that wasn't there before because the, somebody, somebody got annoyed and was irritated, that doesn't sit well. So consistency is a big part of this. We'll come back to our guest, Dr. Bierman, in just a moment. First, I want to let our listeners know about our program's website, elmhouston.org. If you go to that website, you can read more about us. You can download podcasts of some of our past pro programming. You can find shortcuts to our Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube accounts. You can also, on that website, don uh, donate to support our work. All of our on-the-air hosts are volunteers, and so your donations go far to help us purchase radio airtime. We strive to have a wide variety of interviews with people who are doing interesting and creative uh, things, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. You may write us at ELM Houston, PO Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410. Now back to our guest. Joel, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, preparing children for their vocations. Yeah, this is one of the biggest burdens that a typical child has growing up is figuring out what's he going to do when he grows up. And when he's really young, it's fun because it's just imagination. He thinks about all these things and it's fun to think about, you know, astronauts, garbage man, whatever. You know, my son wanted to be a garbage man for a long time because he thought garbage trucks were awesome. Uh, and then he went into the Marine thing for a while. It's just fun to think about. But then when you get into high school and, you know, maybe even as far along as college, it's a terrible burden. What am I going to do? How, how do I figure this stuff out? And I think parents should be a little more directive than that. Instead of trusting the, the school guidance counselor to help your kid figure this out, why isn't a parent figure to help this figure this out? You know your child better than anybody, and you know their skills and their abilities. You know their interests. And I think it would be really helpful if more parents and fathers especially took a little more time having conversations with their children, especially when they get into high school and college, you know, about how they're gifted, what they think they would like to do and why. You know, I think I want to do this because I'll make a lot of money. It's probably not the best motivation. What, what's in, what 
You know what? How do you think about these things? Maybe you should be thinking about how has God gifted you? What responsibilities would you already have based on the talents God has given you that you need to be using those talents for others? The, the parable of talents in Matthew 25 looms large that you've been given much, God expects much. To whom much is given, much is, much is expected. <laughs> and so I think we need to help our children process things a little bit more. You've got intellectual abilities. You've got you know artistic abilities. You've got manual skills that are outstanding. Pursue those for the sake of those around you and help your children sort those things out. And so I guess what I'm really encouraging consistently here is parent-directed, father-directed child-rearing. Instead of letting others do it or letting the culture do it or letting the peers do it, you need to be doing it. Um, that's going to, the hardest part of that, honestly, and I get this question a lot from fathers, is how, about, how do you navigate that as children grow up? Because you, what you do at two years old is different than what you do at six years old. It's very different than what you do at 13, and it's very different than what you do at 17 or 18. And so learning how to navigate that is not always easy. And probably the best counsel I can give for dads is think back to what you needed at those ages and try to apply those situations again. Uh, you, you, you need to give, obviously, a young man room to experience being a young man, but you also need to realize he still wants direction. He still wants guidance. He still wants your affirmation and support, even if you won't let on that it's important to him, because part of his independence is acting like he doesn't need you anymore, but he does. And so dads need to have a very thick skin, learn how to roll with the kind of pushback from the kid and recognize when it's real rebellion and when it's just testing the boundaries and learning how to sort things out. And so that's the best thing for a father to do is stay absolutely invested. That doesn't mean he's a helicopter dad or, you know, tightly constraining everything, but he's, he knows, he knows when it's time to let the let the reins loose a little bit more. Let the, let the child run a little bit more. He he gets a feel for that, but he's always right there. And it doesn't mean he's just blindly supporting everything his child wants to do. There are times when he needs to say to his son, "Bad idea," or "I don't think that's worthy of your pursuit." I don't think that's the way that you really want to act. And he needs to challenge him, but and he shouldn't be afraid to do that. But that's that's the joy of parenting, and that's the joy of fatherhood is equipping a young man, a young girl to grow up to be what God has created them to be and seeing them thrive in that. That's, that's pretty cool. So explore a little bit the difference between a job and a vocation in a God-given yeah. sense. Yeah, vocation is a huge area and one that Fortunately, the church is doing a little better job in the last few decades, kind of paying attention to that. And I think teaching a little bit more effectively. It was neglected for way too long in our churches. Um, the job is a task you've been given to do that needs to be done. So go get it done. Uh, a vocation is, a, is a, a responsibility that God himself has given to you to fulfill for the sake of others. So I can have the job of reading papers. Okay, that's a job I've got to get done. My vocation is to be a professor. And so my vocation is to fulfill well what I owe my students. And that means getting the papers graded. Um, so I might have a lot of tasks along the way, you know, jobs that need to be done. But vocations are, are more um, centered around my identity, more centered around my 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 reason for being in the world. And so vocations begin the moment you're born. My first vocation is son. And then I have a vocation as brother. Then I have a vocation as a friend. Then I have a vocation as a student. And then I'll have a vocation perhaps as a husband, then a father, a grandfather. And then you get a, a, you take on jobs and you have vocation as coworker. So those vocations are defined primarily by the relationships I have. And every one of us has multiple vocations all the time. It's not just a matter of one vocation. This is my career. Career is not your vocation. Uh, a career can be a piece of the vocation you do and can be part of one of those things you need to accomplish that God has given you to do. But vocations have much more to do about relationships and responsibilities to those around me. So, you, you teach this to your children as well. 
even when the child is six years old, you teach him about his vocation as student, learn well, his vocation as son or daughter, learning to be obedient, learning to be respectful. And, and so you guide them into their vocation. So that's a big part of this is the vocational training and guiding them is helping them realize these are these beautiful tasks and responsibilities that God has given me in my relationships to other people and fulfilling them is what God put me here to do. It's my reason for being, it's, it's, it's what it means to be human. So that Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 idea that we're saved first and we are given something to do. So every one of us got, has got a God-given plan, uh, a roadmap of what we're supposed to be doing. But finding that is oftentimes difficult for people. It is. And you, you, you just brought up Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and that's great. Um, I do systematics, but I don't spend enough time with the Bible. But um, you're quite right to emphasize the systematic theology is the doctrinal side of things. But um, the Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is such an awesome section of scripture. We always Lutherans love it because for by grace you're saved through faith, not by your own works. Great stuff. But then comes verse 10. Uh, God has plan for us and advance the things he's given us to do. And so we have both these aspects here. And what, you, what you've just done is you've just reinforced what I started with. There's a twofold tell us, um, being right with God, having his grace, and being right with my fellow man, doing what he's given me to do, fulfilling my vocations. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9 captures both of them right there in the space of about three verses. It's powerful stuff. And that's exactly what it does with the whole Christian life. And you're quite right. Sorting out what it is I'm supposed to do can be kind of difficult. Maybe maybe often we make it more difficult than we need to because we freight those decisions with way too much significance. Um, the way I tend to look at it is, what does God want me to do? What is God's will for my life? Well, he wants you to keep the commandments. Okay. Well, that's a big load. Read through Luther's explanation of the small catechism on the Ten Commandments sometime, and you realize there's a lot I need to do there. Um, fulfilling those commandments is pretty, a pretty weighty expectation. So get busy doing that. And if you're doing all that, and if you're honoring your father and mother and you're serving your neighbor well, and you're looking out for your neighbor's interests, and you're using your gifts well to serve those around you, then within that, do what you want. And so should I be a farmer or should I be a pharmacist? If you're skilled to do either one, take your pick. If you've got a family farm that needs to be run, go do it. Is that God pleasing? You bet it is. Awesome stuff. Needs to be done. And if you're skilled to be doing it, being a pharmacist, do that. Why not? Um, should I be a pastor? Or well, maybe you should be. How do I decide? Are you gifted for that? Has God given you the skill set? Yeah. Have others encouraged you on that line? Yeah. Is, is there a need for it? Yeah. All right. Maybe I should go do that. But does it mean you have to be a pastor? You can do all kinds of things in your vocations that are serving those around you. The key is, am I using the gifts I have? And if you can say yes to that, that's good. So maybe you realize, yeah, I've been using these gifts. Maybe I want to use these other gifts. All right. Change your vocation. That's fine too. Just make sure that you're using what God has given you to serve well those around you. That's the only box you got to check. Other than that, I think we need to give people a little more freedom and a little more latitude instead of making things so complicated, like there's this one perfect route that God has for my life. And if I don't find it, I'm going to ruin my life. That's just not true. It's just as a lie. It's just not true. Just do what comes along and, and enjoy it. There's this text in Ecclesiastes. So I use my Bible verse now. And it's either chapter 9 or 10, I forget which one, where it says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it. And so in other words, kind of whatever comes along that needs to get done, get it done. And maybe we, we work too hard trying to find the ideal thing instead of just, here it is. This needs to be done. I'll do it. And for myself, you know, people, how I should decide to become a pastor. My dad was a pastor. I always kind of knew I would be. Um, toyed with other things for a while, but yeah, I just went to school. I'll study Greek. Went pretty well. Went to seminary. That went fine. I got a call. I'm a pastor. I mean, 
I didn't really ever decide. It wasn't like I, people talk about, you know, God was pulling me. No, it just happened. And is that okay? I think that's just fine. Well, you know, you've given us a lot to think about with uh, the role of fathers, the blessing of fathers, you know, the giftedness of fathers uh, that, that we receive, some of what we need from God, and uh, some is from our um, intentionality and labors and consistency and all those other efforts right. that we put into this. It's quite a mixture, but it's, it's a great blessing that God gives to some of us to be fathers. I want to thank you, Joel, for your time today and point our listeners to uh, Concordia Seminary, csl.edu as a place where um, we can get more information on the training of pastors and maybe some other information Indeed. in that area. God's blessings, and join us again real soon for another edition of Engaging Truth. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410 or visit our website at elmhouston.org or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.